evening, everyone. Nick's having a little bit of a crisis here. He doesn't know how to start off these podcasts, so I suppose uh, I'll just help him and you just like start talking, Nick. That's Listen, what a podcast really is. Ronnie's claim to fame over here. I don't know. I'm sitting here smiling, not really panicking. <laughs> if you guys, if you guys could see what Nick looks like right now, he's got allergies, so his one eye swollen up, looks like he's been stung by a bee or punched in the face. Nonsense, man. I was playing some ruggers this weekend. He's tearing up here. So I'm sitting here pretty because I'm on 15 wins in a row what against you, you by on that? Rugby Challenge 2. Hey, Ronnie, you're having a bit of a tough time Dude, playing that, that game. that is such a lie. I mean, what are you talking about? I beat you last night, the last game we played. See, silence. He's stunned into silence with that one. It's okay, Ronnie. We can play again after we record here and I can make it 16 in a row. Well, you're an idiot because I beat you in the last game before I left last night. Yeah, guys, this is why we call him Ronnie. You know, his memory of a goldfish. So, Ronnie, with that tiny memory, did you manage to watch any of the URC and actually remember it? Yeah, I watched all the rugby this weekend. All of it. Lacquer. So, Sharks first, Scarlet's first one, Friday night. What did you think of that? The score's definitely not reflective of the game. When you say that, you mean it's too high or it's too low? You know, if you look at the score now, you think, oh, convincing win for the Sharks, but it absolutely wasn't. I think the Sharks walked away with five points out of that game, but it was not a convincing, dominant performance by them. They really did struggle against that uh, rush defense from the Scarlets. Scarlets really just, you know, they defended like absolute champions. Um, the Scarlets actually scored the first try of the game. You know, they had two disallowed before anything yeah. got off the bat. So I think the Sharks, you know, again, they, they got five points, sure, but they were very lucky to get five points. They did only get that bonus point try in the 87th minute, getting no. an extra seven minutes in that fixture to get over the line. No, I think the Sharks have some work to do, really. And Kerwin Bosch, my friend, you know, you... I, I, I like Kerwin Bosch. You know, he's got that really long boot for such a small guy. And, uh, you know, he can re- play really well. But, yeah, you know, maybe Butter Chamberlain is our preferred 10 at the moment. I don't know. I have to disagree with you there, Rania. I thought uh, Kerwin put in a fairly decent performance. I mean, he scored one try. It was a lucky you clearly sort of didn't watch charge down with Tapuhai's face. You clearly didn't watch the game. And then just something, Scarlett. Shocking that you let Marius Lowe score a try. Pick and go at the ruck on your line. Backline player should never be able to do that against a pack of forwards. But yeah, Scarlet's scoring first try. Sharks definitely not putting them to the sword like we've spoken about in previous episodes. I think, or I hope, the Sharks are going to hit peak form when the finals come around. Because at the moment, they're getting by and they're getting the wins. But it's not comprehensive and it's not, you know, showing that killer instinct that we've spoken about. Sure. Sure. Pulls, Munster. Bulls versus Munster. Yeah, Bulls. I'm very happy the Bulls got a win there. Here in Pretoria, as I mentioned, I was upset I couldn't actually attend that game. Would have been a lucky one to watch. Yeah, Bismarck Duplessis had a bit of a brain fart there. <laughs> that moment with Bismarck Duplessis. Now, before I get going, 100% a red card. Don't debate that at all. It's a but red card. The thing that made me laugh so much, he throws the player over his shoulder the ref looks at him and he put, lifts his hands as if, like, what did I do? But he's holding the player's boots in his hand. <laughs> no, absolutely. He just kind of stood up and was like, get off my back. You know, no disregard, no regard for player safety, sure. But he just stood up. He didn't deliberately pile him into the ground or flip him over. But, you know, and he, he literally he leads flips to be a little him bit over and he's holding the guy's shoe in his hand. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, yeah, that was a definite one. I know Jake White saying that hampers what he had planned for the Curry Cup game. But, yeah, I thought... Madosh Tambwe in excellent form. 
Uh, I'd like to see him getting a Bach call-up, although the wings, there's plenty of them. And I thought Marcel could see her putting in another massive performance as well. I mean, his offload to Tambo for that first try was unreal. Yeah, if you say so. And, you know, the Bulls, again, fading off in the second half. You know, they were leading, what, 29-3 at one point. Yeah, that that was quite shocking. When I saw the scoreline initially and then, what you know, it ended off as... Uh, Munster did incredibly well to rally at altitude at Loftus um, in conditions that they definitely are not used to. To come back like that, well done to Munster. Definitely. And I think that try that uh, Damien Dialende scored sort of sums up the ball second half. You know, they stuffed around at the line out there. The ball was knocked back into the in goal area. Damien Dialende pouncing on it, you know, scoring a try on his return from injury. And then what about the Lions? Absolutely dominating Cardiff. <laughs> Well done to the Lions. We've slated you a lot on this podcast, so happy to see you get the win. You know, Chituka was a beast in that game. He really played well. I thought Berger Udendahl also put in a good showing. Some good attacking rugby for a change from the Joburg side. Yeah, hopefully this is like a turning point for them because they do need the confidence. Maybe this is going to help them. I mean, they really did play exceptionally well, I thought. And you know... The Bok coaching team was with the Lions the whole week, yeah. giving some input there. What role do you think that played in, in them getting a positive result this no, week? I was wondering what you know what they were going to go do there. Were they communicating and with the coaches and saying encouraging them or pushing them in a certain direction, or were they chatting to players? I don't know, but uh, yeah, looks like uh, just having the, the just the presence of the Bok coaching staff uh, gave the Lions that kick that they needed. Yeah, so definitely well done to the Lions, getting one over Cardiff. And it wasn't such a bad Cardiff team. I mean, there were some Welsh internationals in that side, so credit where it's due, Lions. And I hope you can do something similar against Munster this coming weekend. Absolutely. And then Donny Craven Stadium, Stormers versus Zebra. Yeah, look, it was always going to be tough for Zebra to, to come down to South Africa. Again, not conditions they're used to. And then, you know traveling so i expected the stormers to win i didn't expect them to win so convincingly but they did and you know well done to the stormers and all in all it was just a great week for south african rugby yeah i mean stormers scoring nine tries in that fixture five tries in the first half four in the second they didn't look like slowing down at any point in time some very very smooth rugby there lionel zass and skyrim to benny also picking up two tries apiece so no short, no shortness in attack from the Stormers, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well done, Stormers. I think it was quite quite epic as well. Damien Willemsen, his 50th test, I thought he, he came into form nicely. You know, it's a player we've ummed and odd about quite a bit, but I thought he had a crack again then. Hopefully, he's also climbing in form ahead of the box schedule because another teammate of his, Herschel, also put in a very solid showing. Some good, quick service from the base of the ruck. You know, good things for the Springboks to come. Yeah, well done. Just round of applause for South African rugby. Definitely. And an additional round of applause for Sinatla. He took the hat-trick tally in the URC up to 100. He's the 100th person to have scored a hat-trick. Is it? That's, yeah, that's, that's quite impressive. Cool. Eh? Well done. Yeah. So, well, so, Sia Bailiff Sinatla is somebody that I wish would... Well, I mean, he's got some stiff competition to end up in the Bok team. But, you know, he's, he's got that incredible pace that I wish we could exploit in the Springbok team. For sure, for sure. And I mean, definitely a nice South African clean sweep this week, eh? Sure. The log the log looks a little bit different than it did, you know, three months ago. Yeah, good to see the Sharks in sixth. That's definitely a, a, a win for them. And Storm is also in eighth. So we've got two teams in the top eight currently would qualify for the playoffs. 
It's not too bad. Okay, well, hopefully the Bulls can step it up and maybe the Lions can just come up from 14th a little. Yeah, that would be nice. They're languishing right at the bottom there, so that's something that needs to change. You know, the URC now is being played in South Africa for the first time. You know, what was the decisive factor or the turning factor in us getting a clean sweep this weekend? Look, it's absolutely difficult to to travel, you know, to another country, a foreign country. Some of, you know, some of these players will have never come to South Africa before. And then to expect to be expected to perform your first game out, I think it was always going to be difficult for the visitors. And then obviously you come down here and uh, it's it's not winter here. It's very much summer and it's not summer with 28 degrees Celsius. It's summer with 34, 35, 36 degrees Celsius. And, you know, and sometimes in a shady, under a shady tree, it can still reach uh, 40 degrees Celsius. So it's always going to be tough for them. And if they come to the high felt like Pretoria, Johannesburg, I mean, that's altitude. The cars are going to be sucking air. So I didn't really expect the visitors to to be able to perform as well as they can. So next week uh, is going to be very interesting. You know, and then our Super Brew Pool, a lot of movement going around there. You know, Rural Warrior now in first place. That's Louis Kruger. You know, he says he's neutral like Switzerland. We like that, Louis, but sometimes you've got to pick a side. Pick a side. No, neutral is worse than a Stormers fan. Yeah, so Louis... Ahead there, 91 points overall on the log. Tumbles Fluff in second. He's a Stormers fan. Sorry for you, Wayne. Yeah, so Wayne van Heerden there. Some good competition. Ronnie, do you know where you even are on the log? Oh, which competition? (laughs) In the URC. I'm like third. Third last, maybe. Uh, So, yeah, Ronnie not doing too well. I'm about 45th in that one, so... I definitely need to put in some hard work there. And then I think for big talking points from this weekend coming out of the Six Nations. Hey, Ronnie, what did you make of all of that? That was a good weekend of rugby from a Six Nations perspective. You know, now that we're done with the URC, well, the discussion points on that and talking about Six Nations, I thought really exceptional games. Uh, France versus Wales. France was always going to struggle against Wales. If there's a team that is essentially their bogey team, if you will, or a team that can counter their dominance uh, in attack. It was going to be Wales. Wales just seems to be a strong team inside and out. Even if they're not winning, they, they're not getting blown out the park. You know, I mean, Wales, Wales have won four Six Nations tournaments in the last 10 years, more than any other team. They are an incredible defensive unit. We we almost lost against them in the semi-finals in 2019. And it was going to be a real tough ask for France to, to go there and beat Wales. No, for sure. I mean, France were so clinical as they always are these days. But they just struggled to break down that Welsh defence. And funny enough, a stat I found very interesting. Every single one of France's tries in the Six Nations this year have come in five phases or less. That just shows how clinical they can be with ball in hand, eh? Quick recycling, we've already spoken about their ruck speed. Well, they've got DuPont that can recycle a ball faster than anybody in the world. I think that's very impressive. I thought Toby Faletau had a massive, massive showing. You know, his second game back from injury, and he was out on a long injury layoff. So good to see him putting in big performances like that. And I think Dan Bigger forever reliable for Wales. Sure. We've got the Italy-Scotland game that also took place. That was the wooden spoon game. Yeah, I think both teams there playing for the trophy that nobody wants. Sure. Well, I, I thought that Scotland, although they won, uh, they still had some something that they were holding back. Italy obviously scoring at the end there, making the score line a little bit more um, respectable. But, you know, I think Scotland just for some reason weren't in top gear and uh, they had left some 
some things back that they should have used. Yeah, I think I'd just like to sing the praises of the Italian fly half. I think he's grown a lot this season, Pablo Garbisi. I think he's he's putting in some good showings for that Italian side. Uh, but yeah, the Italians all in all need to put a better cohesive team effort together. And then, you know, I have an interesting question for you, Ronnie. Are Scotland the new France of world rugby able to beat England one weekend and then lose the following weekend to depleted Wales? No, 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 no. I think Scotland are Scotland. You know, they're not like, they're not what France used to be. Um, Scotland has always been, for me, sadly, one of someone on a, a team that's on the fringe of being a minnow team, quite sadly. And that's, and that's, and that's, I love the Scots, okay? Some of my favorite players play for them. But for some reason, they just can't seem to be a dominant team in the world. You know, it's, they're, they're somewhere around 10th, 9th, 10th uh, for me in the world rankings. And they just seem to be content with being there. Scotland fans, I do apologize. I can't control what Ronnie says. I don't agree with him. But yeah, unfortunately, the results do sort of align with what Ronnie has to say. You know, the day Scotland wins the Six Nations with a with a Grand Slam, I'll eat my shoe. <laughs> well, at least we have that recorded now, hey, Ronnie? <laughs> sure. That'll definitely be worth it. Guys, we will definitely post that to YouTube if it happens. And then the big game of the weekend with all the talking points around it, I think I'd like to spend a bit of time on this one, Ireland versus England. Uh, once again, the scoreline. I don't know if that's really reflective of how the game actually went. I mean, England were in it with three points to go and 15 minutes uh, to go or left in the game. So then there were two quick tries by the, by the Irish at the end there. And, you know, we sat with a 32-15 scoreline. England did play exceptionally well, I felt. I don't agree. Hey, I feel like it was more Ireland slacking off, you know, trying to force a pass here and there because they thought they had the numbers. I think if... Ireland and England had played full complement teams. Ireland would have given them another 10 points on the score that was there now. So I think the red card actually maybe favoured England, you know, lifting them up and letting Ireland take their foot off the pedal. I don't know if you're an idiot or something, but that's what I said. So, yes, I agree. So you go down to 14 men, and, and what typically happens then is players feel like they have to play 150%, not at 100%. No, you know, score off every opportunity that comes rather than show some patience. Yeah, you're talking about Ireland now. Yes. I'm talking about England. I'm talking about the guys start defending better because they know they have to pick up the slack. But then you're absolutely right with Ireland. Um, you know, thinking that they can just swing the ball around and run and score off every sort of phase. And that's not always going to happen. But England, well done to you guys, I felt. You guys were in it. You know, and then the scrum dominance England was showing. Is that a bit of Matt Proudfoot's coaching coming through? Well, it, it has to be. We have to say that. That's just our South African influence. Helis Genji had a good one. Not often you see uh, Tad Furlong having such a long day, hey? Yeah, I felt the ref was a little bit harsh in some, in some cases there. Just sort of sending it uh, Ireland's way once or twice when it could have gone England's way. So, look, I think England did well to play with 14 players. But now let's talk about that red card because that really hurt England, I felt. Well, let's start at the the beginning. A very good place to start. Well, that's the red card. Yeah, <laughs> literally right at the beginning. What a minute and a half into the fixture. Eighty-two seconds or something along those lines. And Ewell's getting the red. So red card, no red card. Absolutely a red card. It's it's a difficult one because you don't. One of the one of the people on 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 a WhatsApp group I'm on said, you know, red card shouldn't be about punishing the team. It's about punishing the player. 
and you know for somebody to go off and make a stupid to do something so stupid and get himself red carded early in the game perhaps you actually do need to bring a player on after 20 minutes again or or 30 minutes or whatever that number should be because it does change a game when you're down to 14 people for so long for 80 minutes i mean looking at that card itself the player was not in a position to make a legal tackle there he was standing upright you know, when you're entering the tackle area like that, you need to be in in the correct body position. So definitely, definitely a red card. I am on the fence about whether it should mean the player's gone or if they can replace a player. Uh, in some instances like that, I feel like that's a coaching issue. You know, you've got to coach the player's tackle technique. Uh, you know, it's it's a difficult one. I'm not sure which side of the fence I land. So maybe you can persuade me so on that. So you're also like Switzerland. You're neutral. I am indeed. Can well, it's clearly serving Louis well. Well, you gave Louis a lot of shit about that, so would you pick a side, please? <laughs> I think it should remain as is and the team should suffer for, for the remainder of the fixture. Jack Noel down on the side of the scrum, hey? Getting busy in the dark arts there. Very universal, versatile player. And then Eddie Jones. Oh, this is a man... What's he done now? You know, he's criticizing the ref, but he's also the guy that doesn't criticize the ref. He's, yeah, of course. You know, he's praising his team and giving France shit already. And he's just a handful, that guy. And it's all contradictions and it's all nonsense. And I think he needs to come up to the plate and say, you know what? This is not up to standard. I'm excluding players from the England squad just because I have personal issues with them when they could be doing better. And honestly, England for me, I wrote an article on it this week. Fifth at best, probably seventh in the world. Pretty harsh thing to say. Think about it though, Ronnie. Your top four teams, you know, and not ranking them in specific order, but you've got France, South Africa, New Zealand, Ireland. Undoubtedly your top four. Where they rank amongst each other, difficult to say without playing. Then outside of that, who are your next four teams? You've got England, Wales, Australia, Scotland, Argentina. Wales for me above England, so they take fifth place. Scotland beat England this year. So it's between Scotland and England who gets that sixth spot. And then, I mean, you're fighting it out with Australia for the eighth. Yeah, I've got to go check your math here. But, yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. I think uh, I think I was looking at the permutations this morning and England could could end up fifth in the Six Nations. No, they could definitely end up fifth in the Six Nations. And pretty sure they're going to. I mean, they've got France at home this weekend. I give England very little chance in that fixture. And Oof. finishing fifth last year as well. You know, does that trigger another inquiry into Jones's ability to take the team forward? So I think we've got to put a pin in this because we'd like, like to see what happens this coming uh, weekend uh, and really just where England actually does end up because that, that we could discuss in a little bit more detail, I think. For sure. Well, let's save that topic then for next week. But a pin in it. definitely something, something that's there. You know, Eddie Jones saying France is under pressure because of the Grand Slam. Eddie Jones, Jones saying he knows pressure. how to beat them. That's Well, uh, Eddie would love to see it because you said Ireland were going to get the biggest physical onslaught that's ever happened and your player got red carded for it. You know, maybe you hyped him up a little too much in the tunnel. Yeah. You've said it again for France now. I would not be saying that to Paul Willem. So the last time you said that to a South African, you lost the World <laughs> Cup final. So, bus up there, Eddie. Yeah, right. So, I mean... They're up to, up to face the French, and the French have a Grand Slam on the cards. Without a doubt, Grand Slam, are they going to get it? I think they are going to get it. Yeah, and it, 
really irritates me because you picked France to win the Six Nations. No, of course. They are going to win the Six Nations. They are going to win the Six Nations. I think, you know, they are under pressure for sure, but they're managing the pressure a lot better than some of the other teams have in the past. I think it's going to be a French Grand Slam. And you know what funny thing is? The French don't look like they're under pressure. They play with such ease and such... Yeah, but you said if you've got someone like Paul Willemse standing in front of you, you know, defending on your behalf, you can be as confident as you want. No, very, very true. So France probably going to take the Grand Slam. It's been a good 10 years or so since they last managed that. Yeah. Definitely a coveted prize and something they would love to achieve before the World Cup. Well, comes that's there. exactly it. Don't you think Ireland and France are peaking a little bit too soon? Again, Northern Hemisphere. <laughs> <laughs> They're peaking the year before the World Cup and come the World Cup. The Southern Hemisphere teams are going to dominate. Yeah, we'll have to see, Ronnie. But it's always the same with them, especially Ireland. We've seen this story before, you know, beating everyone dominant. and then, Never getting out the quarters. Yeah, so sure. we'll have to wait and see with that. But definitely loving the French flair at the moment. Hands down looking forward to that game this weekend. The French slash South African flair. For sure, for sure. And I mean, now, why don't we have a look ahead to this weekend's rugby then? You know, why don't we, Nick? Why don't we? Six Nations, Wales versus Italy, first fixture of the weekend. Uh, Wales are going to dominate that one, absolutely. Look, Italy, um, I hope that they have a very strong showing in their last, you know, their last game. So I, I, I just don't see Italy taking that. And it's just going to be a convincing win by Wales. Especially, it's it's a home game for Wales. Yeah. So, I mean, they're just going to punish Italy, I think. I think probably a good 40 points in Wales' favour there. Good 40 points. Yeah, maybe not that much. Well, we'll have to see. Oh, another thing. Alan Wynne-Jones back. Alan Wynne-Jones is back. I almost forgot about that. He's returning this week. No, honestly. That man is indestructible. No, he's destructible. What are you talking about? They just know how to fix him with duct tape. But he's going to come back and put in a massive shift. I have absolutely no doubt about it. It's it's actually remarkable that he's actually playing again. We need to go back in the, the history books and the gene pools of how many... South Africans have gone over to Wales, you know, and spread our strong genes that side. Because <laughs> the Welsh gene is also honest, hard as nails. It's incredible because how many test caps is he going to still put on? I mean, if he's playing now, do you think in the back of his mind he's thinking, uh, just another year and it's a World Cup year? 100%. And he's like, well, Sexton's doing it. <laughs> yes, I honestly, Alan Wynne Jones going to another World Cup, that would be something. Ireland, Scotland. It's going to be a, an Irish win, I think, because it, I'm predicting an Irish win because I'm predicting England fifth place. I think it's going to be a hell of a comprehensive Irish win. The Irish will know that their only chance of winning the Six Nations is with a very good points difference and England beating France. Even then, by one point, they want to leave that as little up to chance as possible to claim the Six Nations. Definitely count on Ireland coming It's going to be an firing. exciting game, though, for sure. I think the Scots have, are going to want to end on a high. So, uh, that could be the game. No, the next game's the game of the weekend. What's the next game? France v. England. Yeah. So, what do you think is going to happen? I think France is going to win by at least 15 So, what you're saying is France is going to win the Six Nations. I was right all those weeks ago when I said France were going to win the Six Nations. Yeah, now I'm going to exercise my right to remain silent. (laughs) Well, that will be a holiday for all of us. (laughs) Yeah, Ronnie, unfortunately, I think you are proving to be right. England to beat france i never want england to beat anybody so i can't even be wishing for that this weekend sure okay well then we've got some uh, urc to look forward to as well bulls v scarlets yeah i think bulls to 
absolutely demolish. Uh, yeah, no, I think they're going to absolutely demolish the Scarlets. Because the Scarlets just got used to the humidity down in Durban. Now they've got altitude to deal with. True, but I see Mornay Stain is jamming in the Curry Cup on Wednesday. So, you know, they're splitting that squad. How fresh their legs will be is also something to consider. Lions versus Munster. I think the Munster boys are going to take this one. Yeah. I'm sorry to say, Lions. I think, you know, I'm really proud of you guys this past weekend. But I think the Munster boys have now been here for just a couple of extra days. They're entering their second week and, you know, they're going to feel confident, I think, and uh, possibly used to the condition. So it's going to be a tough ass taking on Munster boys. And then Sharks versus Zebra. Sharks going to take that. It's going to be a very dominant uh, showing by the Sharks. Uh, Zebra have just not, uh, you know, been as strong as they could be, I suppose. That, is that the right thing to say? But yeah, look, I'm just going to back the Sharks here. Convincing win. Yeah, Sharks, we won't accept anything less than 50, hey? <laughs> it's a big ask. Well, Stormers did it. Okay, Stormers v Cardiff. So, Stormers to take that one as well. If the Lions can beat them, the Stormers definitely can. Yeah, I've just got this 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 feeling, though, that the Cardiff boys might just pip the Stormers. And I can't tell you why. It just, it just feels like it's going to go the, the way of Cardiff. Okay, well, we'll have to see, Ronnie. You're going to lose to me on Superbrew again by taking that on. But I mean, it's very convenient for you to only, in this podcast, make mention of the UFC, but not make mention of the Varsity Cup and you know all these other tournaments that we play, Ronnie, the Guinness Premiership, because only... I'm beating you in all of those. I know you can only keep track of so much at once, Ronnie. I'm trying not to overburden you. Well, it looks like you can't keep track of more than one, so... Well, fine. Next week, let's include some Varsity Cup. Let's include all the tournaments we're playing on Superbrew, and we'll see who's dominating who on... (laughs) This podcast will be an hour and a half long, then. No, we can just mention it. I'm beating you you in, like, three out of five tournaments. I mean, can you do math? That's 60%. I'm winning. Makes me 10%, 20% better than you. Okay, Ronnie. It's fine, we can chat about some of them next week then, for sure. How great was it that we managed to get some Springbok tickets, though? Uh, it was very good. It's I'm very much looking forward to going to watch some Springbok rugby. And it's not just we're not just going to Ellis Park to watch the All Blacks, we're literally going to every single game in South Africa. Cannot flip and wait for that. Uh, Bloemfontein, Cheetahs, we're coming to visit. Yeah. Coming to see you boys down there. Second Avenue. Second Z. I wonder if there's any bars left there for us to go to. Can't wait. Yeah, guys, if you know where we can grab a beer after the game, let us know in the comments. We're not talking about cloppers. So it'll be good to go watch them down there. But I want to say we're privileged to have gotten tickets to all the games. And I say that in light of the fact that I think the tickets were quite expensive. It's it's it is a sad reality, but if you look at it, you know what has been an income for for our stadiums and for Sari over the last uh, two three years. No, it's definitely true. They need the money, but at the same time and in the same breath, don't you think it's a bit wrong that you or some people are unable to afford watching their national side play? No, it's it's absolutely it is heartbreaking for sure. Um, the tickets are extremely expensive, and if you aren't putting money aside to save up to go to these games, I just don't see it as if something that's feasible, really. No, for sure. Well, that's why we started this podcast, so it can become a business expense. <laughs> <laughs> Planning ahead, you see. No, absolutely. Look, it's very sad, but um, you know, I can understand that there's also an incredible amount of demand, because as far as I understand it, most of the stadiums are sold out already, so... Look, there's the demand even for these steep uh, ticket prices. No, for sure. But 
I think if you're going to charge us for ticket prices, then, then the game should be free to watch on SABC. Oh, that's an absolute. That, that I 100% agree with. You know, 100%. so you've got to find some sort of middle ground there. Booking system, fair that some clients got pre, pre-booking pre options. Well, F&B um, uh, you know, a, a main sponsor of the Springboks. So, of course, their clients, if you have a virtual card, we're going to get early access. But um, I hope they reserved a very small portion of, 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 of the overall tickets for those clients because it would have been a shame for uh, F&B customers to have snatched up all the tickets. Yeah, definitely, definitely true. So, Ronnie, this is the unfortunate part in the podcast where we get to hear you go on a rant. You know, your bougie, it can't just be a rant, it has to be a Ronnie rant. So, what are you ranting about? Oh, I'm ranting today. Um, just, hold up. Are you serious? Yeah, just shut up. So, uh, I'm not ranting today. Yeah, I found out over the last couple of days that uh, Spain qualified for the Rugby World Cup next year, which was... Which is incredible, actually. And initially, I was like, wow, that's going to be the first time in history that they've qualified. And and it's not. They have actually qualified before. Uh, it was 87. Hey? No, 99, they actually played. They, they had qualified and played. And coincidentally, they were also in a pool with South Africa and Scotland as they've qualified now for, for next year. So that's very cool. And then I just, you know, I went on to the very reliable wikipedia.org just to have a look at some of the teams that have played over the years and who's played what how many and um you know i just thought it was incredibly interesting to see how many teams have uh, have played in a rugby world cup uh so you've got the likes of new zealand australia england france wales argentina scotland ireland canada it's starting to sound uh, like a japan and italy that have qualified for every single world cup so that is incredible. That's you know that's nine appearances for them. And I mean, if you're talking about Canada, they've they've appeared in every World Cup. You know, so have Italy and so have Japan. That, that really is incredible. South Africa's only appeared at seven. So and we've won three of them. Just remember that New Zealand. Yes, we have won three of them. A couple of teams that have uh, that have never had a win in the World Cup include Zimbabwe, the Ivory Coast, and Namibia. Those are three African teams. So it's not very good for Africa. But uh, Spain, Portugal, and Russia have also never won in in you know in any World Cup. You're talking about the title or a fixture? I'm talking about a fixture. So I mean, come on here. Well, just got to be clear, Ronnie. Yeah, I, I forgot that I'm actually speaking with you. So yeah, yeah. So you know, this is this was very very welcoming to see. In all honesty, for Spain to actually beat Portugal to then qualify for the World Cups, and I'm really. Uh, keen to see how they play and when and so, what they can achieve. So is our pool full for the World Cup? It's us, Ireland, Scotland, Spain. No, we're missing one team. No, I think there's an Asia country that uh, is is potentially going to be included. Maybe even Oceania. Like no, it is. It'll be like a Fiji or Samoa or yes, somebody. Yes, yes, absolutely. Or the island nations. Okay. Yeah. Well, well done, Ronnie. I'm glad that wasn't a rant for a change. Although your tone sort of reflected a bit of a rant at stages. And then I'm sick and tired of you getting Saturday right all the time. So I've made it a bit more challenging today. You were right last weekend, Brian O'Driscoll. For our new listeners, if you don't know how it works, Ronnie's going to get some stats now. He gets three questions to help you guys out. And then over the course of the rest of the week, there'll be some clues posted with the answer coming out on Saturday. So Ronnie, are you ready? I just want to say, uh, Brian, uh, Brian O'Driscoll was the answer given by Brian Habana. 
That's true. Habana commenting on our page. So, Habana, if you... I, I mean, it's going to be some miracle for you, honestly, to listen to this right now. But you're an absolute legend. Thank you. 100% shot, Brian. We definitely appreciate it. So, Ronnie, again this week, it's going to be a name the player. Are you ready? Christian Cullen. <laughs> yeah, close. Close. So, this player, Ronnie, he won the under-19, the under-20, and the Senior Rugby World Cup. He's possibly the most versatile player of all time. He made his test debut in 2006 and scored all of his sides 19 points on debut in the Magnus League. He's got 88 test caps. He was a squad member for the 2007, 2011, 2015 and 2019 Rugby World Cups. His father is also an international rugby player. So Ronnie, what are your questions? All right, so I think uh, this is quite a challenging one. Where the hell is the Magnus League? So the Magnus League is now called the United Rugby Championship. Oh, okay. So that narrows it down to about 120 players. <laughs> well, you've got two more questions left, Ronnie. Maybe you can get it a bit closer. All right, then uh, what position did he play? Well, as I mentioned, he was an extremely versatile player. So he's played wing, fullback, center, fly off, and scrum off. One question left, Ronnie. There's only one player I can think of right now, and that's Francois Hochart. Francois Hochart, eh? <laughs> well, you've got one more guess. Is, it, one Francois, more question. is it Francois Hochart? So you're not going to use your third question. I can't think of a third question right now. Sorry, listeners, Ronnie's doing you a big disservice here, not helping you out. But no, it's not Francois Hochart, so... You are defeated this week, Ronnie. So yeah, guys, hit us up on Facebook. Let us know if you think you know who the player is. Hit that like button. Give us a follow. Let us know what you're loving about the podcast, what you want us to change. And we'll catch up with you next week.